You're listening to the Homeless Entrepreneur Podcast with your host, Milo Kay. Catch new episodes the first Tuesday of every month on iTunes, SoundCloud, and iHeartRadio. Visit the website and subscribe at homelessentrepreneur.co.uk. Yeah, so welcome Libby. Thank you. Thanks a lot for um, taking your time to, to come and be my first guest on the on the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. It's very exciting. Well, we've just been talking a little bit about your kids mm. and um, helping them understand their emotions and I just found it really fascinating. Could you just maybe just go over that again about you, an example of your one of your kids just because uh, this podcast is all about mental health and I thought it would be good to yeah, get that yeah, insight. Sure. I think what we were what we were talking about is um, one of the big things that we focus on when we go to schools and talk to teachers about mental health is the concept of um, the frontal lobe and the thinking and feeling parts of the brain. So in children and young people, when something happens externally, a message gets fired up the brain into the brainstem and into the central bit of the brain, which is the emotional brain, that starts firing. And in adults, that happens too, but we've got this um, fully developed frontal lobe that enables us to think and and kind of regulate those emotions. So rather than um, going bananas over something, we can think about that. But as, as children don't have that ability, so as adults and as parents or as supportive people around them, we've got to try and be that frontal lobe and buffer those emotional responses um, and be aware that they don't have the ability to think in the same way that we do. So it's about trying to explain... Um, explain to people so an example is with an angry child say my angry child um I will say to um say to them you know try and count to 10 because the theory is that by counting you are actually um kicking and triggering that frontal lobe into action and sometimes if I'm angry um at home I might say okay I'm might be bubbling inside but I'm just going to count to 10 right now um, and, and, and openly count because I'm trying to model um, behavior and let people know it's okay to feel angry. It's a normal emotion. It's about how you manage it and regulate those emotions. So. <laughs> wow, okay. So, um, so you're trying to instill this in your kids mm. and by the sounds of it, it seems to be working with the example you gave me before that your little girl seems to say, mommy, I'm not feeling too well today. Yeah, I'm not feeling too great today. And sometimes that can be, uh, it needs a little bit, that could be physical, but that could also be, I'm actually just, I feel quite worried about something that happened at school yesterday or or whatever. And it's just trying to have, um, engage that conversation and make it okay to be talking about that. And I, again, I will say, I'm not feeling too great today either you know I had a something really sad happened or I felt um, really worried about that but it's okay because I know that tomorrow hopefully I won't feel as worried about it and I can talk to people and it's important to talk and share and you know that's that's kind of what I'm what I'm trying to do and I think that's really important for every child and young person to have the opportunity to to do that. I guess that has bigger implications though as well doesn't it Um, you hear all these stories of um children sexual abuse and mm. and I guess um just talking about mental health is one part yeah but getting a children to getting children to speak openly about everything could could be even even bigger yeah I mean I think it's there's so many um different things that can happen to different people some of which can be extremely traumatic and distressing um 
obviously when things like that um, are potentially disclosed, it's about ensuring that that's then directed to the appropriate people because obviously that can be extremely sensitive um, information. Um, and it's not holding that responsibility when you're not equipped to. But it's important to, to yeah, to let children feel safe and supported. And the, there's a significant evidence base, really, to show that actually the wiring of the brain can be affected by how much support and nurture you have growing up. So for those children who may um, not have particularly... Um, uh, secure is the wrong word, um, who may have experienced significant difficulties and may not have um, parents or caregivers that they go home to every day through just having one supportive adult in their life. That could be a teacher, um, a social worker, someone who they have regular contact with that can be hugely protective against mental health problems down the line. Okay, and um, I guess this links to um, your company um, and uh, talk to us about um, team mental health then and what is it that you do and why did you start uh, doing that with your business partner? Okay so team mental health um, was set up by myself uh, my colleague who's a consultant child psychiatrist and um, another colleague who is an experienced head teacher. Um, my background is I'm a consultant forensic psychiatrist so I've worked with um, a number of acutely mentally unwell people in prisons and secure hospitals and my sense was through talking to them in a so many cases there was a history of trauma, history of um, mental health problems developing at a young age and people not feeling able to talk about that. So then they might start self-medicating with drugs and alcohol and it's kind of things then escalated and got worse. And my strong feeling was, I wonder what would have happened if something had been detected sooner rather than later. Um, so spoke with my two partners and we decided that we really wanted to shift the way mental health is perceived and the way it's managed so we want to raise awareness um, and we train um, people working in schools with children and young people to spot signs of mental health um, problems early so they can effectively signpost and it's not about expecting people to become experts it's about them to be able to spot the signs um, so help can be um, uh, sought earlier um, because we know that the, there's a better outcome in the long term. Um, I think with staff in school, it's really important as well. What we massively focus on is, is positive mental health and well-being and really trying to develop that emotional intelligence and resilience. But that's not just important for children and young people. That's important everywhere. So we start our initial training program was in schools, but we've also now developed one for the workplace because um, having mentally healthy workplaces are... Is, is hugely important as well and all those factors promoting positive mental health and well-being alongside spotting those signs sooner rather than later so yeah so that's what we do and we hope that um we can reach loads of people that's why we've done some online training so we can get consistent messages to as many people as we can and that um really to enable that mental uh, mental health sorry so that mental health becomes a conversation that everybody has on a daily basis I guess um, I, um, before we started recording, I said that my mental health, I started to notice. Well, actually, when I look back, I can see uh, it start around about 12 or 13. And at the time, I just didn't have a clue. I guess what you're doing is, um, what you're doing with team mental health is um, trying to get those conversations at that age or, or earlier? Yeah, absolutely. Have the conversations at that age. We know that what... 
Um, I think it's one in 10 children and young people do experience a mental health problem. And over half of those are established by the time they're 14. So it's really important for things to be to be detected as early as possible. And as we were talking earlier, it you can't expect children um, to explain and articulate what's happening, which is why <clears throat> we're saying to teachers in school and every staff member in school, actually, we say everybody from the administration to the dinner ladies to the people who work in cleaning, um, everybody needs to have at some level of understanding and knowledge so they can um, spot signs and raise concerns if there are any. It's, it's difficult to talk about, but we need people um, to observe, to listen, to hear, and then reflect on that and take action if it's necessary. So what could you do in uh, my workplace, for example? What could you do um, for my staff who... Um, we, we, we actually um, openly talk about mental health, um, but what, would you, what advice would you have then for a company who um, think, you know what, we, we need to start talking about this, but are unsure what, where, where to go with it? What's kind of your advice and what would you be able to offer them? Well, we have designed um, our training programme um, reflecting on the recent Thriving at Work report that was published, um, which was a government-commissioned uh, report. And that was really helpful. And what they say within that is that everybody should adopt a certain number of mental health core standards in every workplace. And part of that is about providing healthy workplaces and environments and in allowing that work-life balance. The second is um, increasing mental health awareness among employees. So one of the things we do is um, the online foundation training that we say that everybody really in an office should have. Because what that allows somebody to do is on their own, take some time either at home or, or at work, run through the, the, the training which takes less than an hour. Um, and it tells you about the importance of your own positive mental health. It tells you um, practical strategies to support yourself and your mental health and well-being. But it also highlights signs of features such as work-related stress, anxiety, depression. It covers the use of substances that people may involve um, in their life because it's, they're finding it difficult to cope with the stress that they're under. Um, and it's about trying to um, provide information that allows them to recognise that they may be experiencing a problem and that that's okay and that there's lots of different avenues to seek support. Um, the longer you leave a mental health problem, the worse it gets <clears throat> and the more likely you are then to require acute mental health services. Not everybody with a mental health problem needs to be seen by a psychiatrist. Um, it's just about making sure that we can help people recover so it doesn't impact on them in the longer term. The sooner we deal with it, the less impact it has all round. I've seen some stats recently and um, I, I can't for life me remember them, but it was... Um, without the proper support when um, an employee goes off work with stress-related illness, I think the chances of them coming back is really low. Is that is that is that true? Yeah, that's correct. So um, again, I can't remember the exact number of weeks, but if somebody is off for a certain number of weeks, it's harder to return because there's um, all different kinds of factors that affect that. But you can imagine yourself, you, you de-skill, you lose your confidence, your self-worth drops. Your confidence is a big... Massive self-esteem, self-worth, self-belief, that sense of belonging. Um, and it's difficult to then come back, especially if you're somebody who is experiencing depression or anxiety. So, yeah, the, you know, there's lots of ways to tackle um, kind of uh, work-related stress and, and mental health problems at work. And actually, what, what has been found is that the cost of... Um, 
presenteeism, so being at work with a mental health problem is twice as expensive as being off work with a mental health problem. So it costs employers more to have people in and people feel scared to ring up. So people who are experiencing stress or mental health problems will ring up and say they've got another problem because it's easier to say, oh, I've got a chest infection, not actually I'm just having a really bad day. Um, That's not saying we should just say everybody who has a mental health problem should take loads of time off work. That's not true. But short um, flexibility and an approach to that and maybe supporting working from home or coming in on on just for a morning, um, you know, being flexible and allowing um, an individual approach to managing someone's mental health and well-being is key. Okay, so there's there's some really great tips there, I think, for employers. Um, So um, you're a doctor. Mm. Uh, and studied at Liverpool Medical School. Yeah. You still do some work with um, the university? Yeah, I work with Liverpool University. Yeah, we do some uh, lecturing over there, which is great. So um, I, I was very aware that when I was a medical student, there, was m- there wasn't a great deal of uh, focus on mental health. And even now... Um, what did you study, by the way? Um, at university? Yeah. So medicine. So I did a full, oh, right, full okay. medical degree and then worked as a junior doctor over in Liverpool for a couple of years um, and then specialised to become a psychiatrist. So there wasn't a great deal of focus and learning about mental health when I was a medical student and I felt very ill-equipped actually when I became a junior doctor, especially working in A&E because you have a number of people presenting to A&E with mental health problems. And so that's something we, we really want to assist um, uh, universities to develop. We know that they've massively improved that since I was at medical school, but it's it, it needs to be something that is... Um, on a par with physical health. Everybody knows about specific medical cases and surgical cases, but mental health needs to be crucial because it's, it's as important as your physical health. And, and you say that there's no mental health, uh, there's no health without mental health. Absolutely, 100%, there isn't. You can't, um, you know, you just, you can't. It seems bizarre, doesn't it, that yeah. you think about health as um, physical almost. You do. But actually there's a lot going on mm. inside that you almost you can't touch it that's it and we all have mental health and so one of the sometimes I get what do you mean by we all have mental health we all have mental health so mental health is actually a state of well-being where people can kind of cope with day-to-day difficulties um, achieve contribute to their communities Um, that's 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 mental health. That's being mentally healthy. So we're all on almost like a, sky, a sliding scale. Absolutely. And at one point, you can cope with. Um, well, maybe maybe you can go over that scale and not care. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there's like a I guess a fine balance between understanding social norms and um, being in touch with your feelings, understanding your feelings, and and then the either side of that. Yeah, and we have to protect our own mental health, and we have to take steps to um, have really positive mental health. So. Often um, people will talk about about mental health problems and refer to them as mental health. And I sometimes say, well, actually, it's a mental health problem. It's an illness. It's like a physical health problem and being really physically healthy. So it's the same concept. And, and you know, I think the more kind of conversations we can have like that to get that message across, big differences could be made. Okay, fantastic. Um, I feel like we've got tons and tons of really practical <laughs> Um, tips and advice that, that people can use in the workplace. Um, so um, what would you say then, um, just briefly about, um, there's always a lot of talk about doctors just pres- prescribing pills. And um, I'm not sure if there's any stats to go with it or, or not, I don't know. What's your, what's your opinion on that from, from Team Mental Health? 
I mean, I'm a psychiatrist, so I've spent a great portion of my career prescribing medications for mental health problems. Um, I would say from my perspective, a doctor assesses a patient, they take a full history, they do a mental state examination, they should be having conversations with the patients to gauge their position, um, weighing up the pros versus the, the, the risks versus the benefits and making an informed decision. Everybody is individual and everyone will have different needs and different levels of risk that might be associated with their mental illness. So if somebody needs a medication, then it's important for them to have it. Not everybody needs a medication and often you will always have medication prescribed along <clears throat> alongside talking therapies, which are hugely important. There's been... Um, Recent, uh, uh, I've seen on social media quite a lot of comments about, you know, very anti-antidepressants. Yeah, I've seen that too. I don't know what, I don't get it because mm. with, with my experience of mental health, like I said earlier, I think I started about 13 and, and now I'm 31 and I still go through phases where I think uh, maybe I'll be okay on medication for a while. Maybe this part of my life, um, I need that. And I genuinely feel there is an imbalance in my brain Mm -hmm. And I need this medication to fix that imbalance. Um... Yeah, exactly. And, and everybody is different. And antidepressants, my experience is that antidepressants can have a huge positive impact when it comes to your mood and also your ability to engage with talking therapies. Um, okay, so used alongside um, therapies, it's it's shown to be really, really effective. Yeah, that's the that's the guidance, you know, the um, the national guidance um, on on treatment of depression and anxiety. Antidepressants don't necessarily work for everybody, and some people won't want to take them, and that's fine. There's a big stigma, though, isn't there, around people saying, "Oh, I'm, I, I don't want happy pills," or mm. "I don't want," which I hate the term. Mm. Um, and I, I find that a real shame. When you saying just then on social media, there seems to be um, negative connotations of taking pills. Yeah, which is really bizarre. Absolutely, and because you wouldn't have that with a physical health problem. If you had high blood pressure, you wouldn't be saying, "Oh, no way, do I want to take those." Uh, blood pressure lowering medications it's why do you think that is then i think it's a lack of understanding um I th and so I th education I th of what how they work in i think that's it and i think i think some people have bad experiences and that's fine and they should be allowed to talk about that if they want to and, and their experience but making sweeping um statements and judgments without having um proper training um, is is can be unhelpful and I think if anybody was reading something that said you should absolutely stop antidepressants and you're taking antidepressants and concerned don't just suddenly stop them because that can have a number of problems associated with, with, with it too in terms of your physical health and your medical health so you need to talk to your doctor and if you do want to come off the antidepressant medication then a special reduce um, reducing regime needs to be put in place Okay, so some, some really great advice there then. So to, um, to wrap up then, I, I mean, I could, I could talk about this all day long because it is so important and, yeah. and what you're doing with team mental health is, um, I can see, already making a huge impact. And um, if there's any employers out there or people within businesses that are listening and um, a little bit unsure about um, maybe or scared about talking about mental health in the workplace and what they can do, what would be your advice to them? My advice really would be 
to learn a bit, learn a bit more about it. It's not something to be to be scared about. Um, obviously, when somebody isn't is acutely unwell, that can make a lot of people feel extremely uncomfortable because it, people seeing somebody who's, who is very emotionally distressed um, it is hard for everybody. People almost don't want to. Yeah. Or, or maybe not, this is not my responsibility, yeah. dealing with that at home. Yeah, people feel scared to talk about it, broach it, because, and that's about a lack of confidence, because that's a lack of understanding. And actually, when you, when you start to learn things and you realise that you don't have to hold certain levels of responsibility, but you can signpost them effectively to get the right support, then things feel less scary. And actually, just having those conversations about the responsibilities that employers actually do have when it comes to protecting the mental health and well-being of the staff that work for them, um, it's really important. And almost when you put it in... Uh, with 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 a legal context that can be helpful as well because again that potentially normalizes it in the business world because it's another topic that's okay to be spoken about and it's something that needs to be addressed and it just needs to be on a par um with with everything else in the yeah, workplace with somebody saying oh you looks like you've got a sore leg yeah it should be you know how are you feeling today yeah absolutely and and the case for workplaces taking um the mental health and well-being of everybody there importantly is human so it's about the individual the effect it will have on the person the teams the organization as a home but there's also a business case for it because the cost of mental health problems to employers is almost i think it's 26 billion pounds a year it's huge it's the leading cause of disability it's the reason why people don't come into work they might not necessarily say that but but it's the it's the biggest cause for um, work-related um, ill health I guess there would be a lot of people that wouldn't actually talk about it would there no uh, there isn't I think it was time to change did a, did a survey and it was literally 98% of people who phoned in with stress gave another reason because they felt unable to to say that and raise that so maybe lack of support but actually just um, just not having people there within the organization. And I know Time to Change would do an amazing job. Mm-hmm. Um, actually uh, advise people, to, uh, companies to have um, mental health ambassadors and yeah. that's something that, that we've, we've done at Dreamer. Yeah. Okay then, um, well, I just wanna say thank you, Dr. Libby. Thank you. <laughs> um, and um, I, I feel that the, there's tons and tons of advice there. Um, and I, I know that any organizations listening and um, whether it's a manager within a company or even somebody that's um, dealing with um, um, mental health issues. Is that, is that okay to say it that yeah. way? Yeah, mental health um, That hopefully they can talk and, and raise it with managers and I guess um, check out Time to Change and um, check out your website, which is... teammentalhealth.co.uk. Awesome. Yep. Yeah, no, right. that, thank you brilliant. very much. Thank you.